48K News. It's one o'clock on Ben Chay. The headlines. The MTR releases CCTV still footage in a bid to quash rumors that protesters died during a clearance operation on August 31st. The chief executive criticizes the decision by the U.S. Congress to introduce the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, while distancing herself from controversial comments made by Executive Councillor Fanny Law. And Demosisto leader Joshua Wong compares Hong Kong's anti-government protests to Berlin's role during the Cold War. The MTR has, for the first time, released still frames of CCTV footage that it captured at Prince Edward Station in a bid to quash rumors that several protesters were killed during a clearance operation there on August 31st. Despite repeated denials by the government, speculation has been rife that anti-extradition protesters were killed by police during the clashes inside the station after journalists were made to leave the scene. But in a statement, the MTR said nobody had died. Adding that its CCTV footage clearly showed all seven injured people being taken to Lychikok Station on a special train and then taken to hospital for treatment. During a cross-departmental press conference, police and fire services officials also denied anybody had died in the station. The senior superintendent of the police public relations branch, Yolanda Yu, called the rumors malicious, adding that the Mongkok police station has not received any reports of missing persons on August 31st. The hospital authority also rejected claims that there were any deaths during the protests on August 31st. The chief executive Carrie Lam has expressed deep regret over the introduction of the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act by the U.S. Congress, saying the SAR government cannot agree with what she called a move to interfere in Hong Kong's affairs. She said every legislature in the world should deal with its own national matters and is extremely inappropriate for any foreign parliament to interfere in the SAR's internal affairs. She added that the United States will not be allowed to become a stakeholder in the city's governance. Mrs. Lam also called on people in Hong Kong not to support the legislation. There are close to 1,400 U.S. companies in Hong Kong, so they will, of course, enjoy the benefits arising from any bilateral relationship, a positive bilateral relationship between Hong Kong and the United States. That's a very important point. But to interfere into Hong Kong's internal affairs in terms of what we are doing under the basic law, protection of freedoms and liberties, this is totally unnecessary. Uh, because we ourselves have the obligation and the duty to comply with provisions in the basic law. The chief executive also distanced herself from comments made by Executive Councillor Fanny Law. Mrs. Law told an RTHK radio program yesterday of what she claimed were confirmed reports of young girls offering free sex to frontline protesters. Speaking ahead of a weekly Executive Council meeting, Mrs. Lam stressed that those comments represent Mrs. Law's own personal views. Mrs. Lam went on to warn people, including her own officials, to be wary of what they read and hear, with so much information circulating on on social media. Every one of us, including government officials, because we are also receiving a lot of those uh, information circulating in the social media, we have to be extremely cautious in um, ascertaining whether it is accurate. However, Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Chak Ting says there's nothing wrong with foreign countries passing legislation to sanction local officials. He says the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act only aims to protect the human rights and freedom of Hong Kong people. It is a reasonable act for an uh, external uh, 
parliament to put sanction against those、uh, government officials who violated the human rights or freedom of any. Uh, cities or countries. So、uh, I don't think it is any、uh, interference of domestic affairs of Hong Kong. Mr. Lam also called for Fannie Lau to resign from the Executive Council and apologized to the Hong Kong public over her comments about anti-extradition bill protesters. Demo sister leader Joshua Wong has compared Hong Kong's anti-government protests to the role of Berlin during the Cold War. Speaking at a human rights event organized by the German Bundestag, the pro-democracy activist said the SAR is a bulwark that stands between the free world and the dictatorship of China, which is similar to the role of Berlin during the Cold War era. He also described President Xi Jinping as an emperor and urged other countries to oppose the mainland's autocratic regime. After Germany, Mr. Wang will travel to the U.S., where he will testify at the Congressional Executive Commission on China and speak about Hong Kong's latest situation. The chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Railway Trade Unions has hit out at recent attacks by protesters on some MTR stations, saying it's unfair to take their anger out on the railway company. Lam Wai Kung also defended the decision to close some MTR stations during demonstrations, saying this should have been done earlier for the safety of passengers and MTR staff. He added that spare parts needed for repair work at some stations are running low, and urged all lawmakers to condemn the attacks on MTR stations. Democratic Party lawmaker Andrew Wan was asked if he would call on protesters to stop attacking MTR stations. I will encourage all the protesters try to concentrate. Uh, our action to the government. If we try to strive for the five demands, then our actions should be consistent to these five demands and make it happen. So all the you know overreaction may not cause such a result. A think tank has recommended that the government subsidize health checks for people under 45 to check the levels of fat and sugar in their blood, as well as their blood pressure regularly, to prevent diseases. It's one of several measures proposed by the Bohemia Foundation Research Center, which carried out a study on how to promote primary health care in Hong Kong. The center's director, Dr. Donald Lee, said hospital admissions could be reduced if people were able to manage their health better. He says the screenings should be done at district. Health centers, which the government would set up across the city. We feel that by offering some incentives for people under 45, for example, one-to-one -one matching, and this will also encourage the use of district health centers, which is going to be launched very soon in a few weeks' time, so that people have a sense of well、uh, belonging to their district health center, where they can maintain health, not just look at diseases, not treat. That's the whole concept. That's why we want to promote that. The British Parliament has again rejected government efforts to call a snap general election, the sixth defeat for the Prime Minister Boris Johnson in little over a week. In a stormy final debate before Parliament was controversially suspended for five weeks, Mr. Johnson insisted that he would not ask the EU for an extension to the date of Brexit, in spite of a law passed by MPs compelling him to do so. More details from the BBC's Jessica Parker at Westminster.
No surprise here tonight. Our opposition parties had made it abundantly clear that they were either going to abstain or vote against the motion. Boris Johnson, I think, they're trying to suggest that MPs have, by doing this, people have been denied a right to have a say over the idea of a general election. A lot of anger, a lot of energetic debate, if you were to put it diplomatically. This parliament really has become quite a fractious place. A global cost-benefit analysis examining how the world can adapt to climate change has concluded that investing 1.8 trillion U.S. dollars over the next decade could produce net benefits worth nearly 7 trillion. The analysis was carried out by a group of leaders in politics, business and science. The BBC's Victoria Gill reports. The Commission has outlined what it calls concrete solutions, specific ways the world can adapt to the reality of a changing climate. Its key message is that the richest countries should invest now to protect the poorest and most vulnerable, with the aim of safeguarding livelihoods, coastal cities, food and water supplies. It calls for investment in early warning systems for storms and high tides, climate-resilient urban infrastructure and the restoration of mangrove forests around vulnerable coasts. The U.S. adventurer Victor Vescovo has become the first person to visit the deepest points in every ocean. His fifth and final descent was made to the bottom of the Molloy Trench in the Arctic, some five and a half kilometers below the surface of the sea. The BBC's Jonathan Amos has more. Surface. This is the LF. The LF has landed. Repeat. The LF has landed. Victor Vescovo calls out from his sub the limiting factor. His 12-ton craft has just touched bottom east of Greenland. The Texan financier set out to see the bottom of all of Earth's great oceans when he discovered not only that no one previously had done it, but that the technology to achieve it didn't actually exist, and he put his wealth behind the endeavor. New fish and other animal species were identified on the dives, and measurements were taken that'll improve climate models and the maps that describe the shape of the ocean floor. Scientists say Mr. Vescovo's achievements will help better understand ocean circulation, which is needed to improve the computer models that project future climate scenarios. North Korea has announced its willingness to resume nuclear talks with the United States, which have been stalled for more than six months. The vice foreign minister, Cho Son-hui, said they could begin later this month. But she warned that Washington would have to bring forward new proposals. On Sunday, the U.S. Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said that President Trump would be very disappointed if the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, did not return to the negotiating table. Police in Australia say arsonists could have started a bushfire that has forced hundreds of people to leave their homes on Queensland's Sunshine Coast. The blaze has destroyed at least 10 properties. 70 fires are burning across Queensland and nearly 60 in the neighboring state of New South Wales. A huge effort is on to control the fires. China's factory gate prices contracted for the second month in August and at a sharper rate. The National Bureau of Statistics says the country's producer price index, a key barometer of corporate profitability, dropped 0.8% last month from a year earlier, which was the worst year-on-year -year contraction since August 2016. The consumer price index, meanwhile, rose 2.8% in August from the same period last year, unchanged from July. The increase was slightly higher than the 2.7% rise predicted by analysts. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 26,692. That's 11 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $41 billion. 
And in currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 107.41 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and ten cents. The pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and sixty-seven cents. And now, with our look at sports, here is Atom Jung. Hong Kong's football coach Miksu Petalainen says tonight's World Cup qualifying match against Iran will be a fresh challenge for his players. Iran are favorites to win the group. They narrowly qualified ahead of Portugal in the group stage of last year's World Cup finals. They sit 143 places above Hong Kong in the FIFA rankings. Hong Kong faced an uphill battle after dropping points at Cambodia last week. Patelainen believes his players are ready for the task at hand. Obviously, this game is totally different in nature uh, to the to our first one. Uh, so uh, it's been good. It's been uh, refreshing to the players that uh, our preparation plan before the first match was totally different to this one. Um, different plans, different tactics, and. Uh, And obviously, um, that creates a little bit of freshness in the, in the player's head, which is uh, very important. It will be a tough task for us because uh, Iran is a quality team, quality individuals, and uh, I'm sure that uh, players will relish an opportunity to play against such a good team. The game kicks off eight o'clock tonight at Hong Kong Stadium. In the same group, Bahrain, who drew one all with Iraq in their first game, are away to Cambodia. Staying with football, Germany have regained their form in Euro 2020 qualifying. They recover from their defeat to Netherlands on Friday with a convincing 2-0 win over Northern Ireland. The BBC's Mas Faruqi has details. Goals from Marcel Halstenberg and Serge Gnabry earn Germany a 2-0 win in Belfast that puts them top of the group ahead of Northern Ireland on goal difference. The Netherlands, who won 4-0 in Estonia, are three points behind but have a game in hand. There were two goals there for Ryan Barbel. Belgium moved to the brink of sealing their place in next year's competition with a 4-0 demolition of Scotland at Hampden Park. Goals from Romelu Lukaku, Thomas Vermaelen, Toby Alderweireld and Kevin De Bruyne maintain Belgium's 100% record that leaves them three points clear of Russia, who beat Kazakhstan 1-0. World Cup runners-up Croatia lead Group E despite being held to a one-all draw in Azerbaijan. Slovakia are now second, a point behind, after a surprise win over Hungary in Budapest. Poland dropped points in Group G when they were held to a goalless draw by Austria. Slovenia moved to within two points after a 3-2 win at home to Israel. Finally, in American football, Will Lutz kicked a 58-yard field goal as time expired to give the New Orleans Saints victory in their NFL season opener at home. They beat the Houston Texans 30 to 28. The 40-year-old quarterback Drew Brees kept a 370-yard two-touchdown performance for the Saints, who have won a season opener for the first time in six years. And that's your look at sports. Atom Jang reporting, and that's the news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3. The government is holding a public consultation on end-of-life care. Under the proposals, patients may decide if they will make advanced directives on their own treatment and care arrangements. Including on the refusal of life-sustaining treatment under preset conditions, and on where they may spend their final days, such as at home or in an elderly home. Please send your views via the Food and Health Bureau website by December 16th. 
Boys at the motel under street lights in the city of palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. Feel like the least of all your problems. You can't reach me if you wanna stay up tonight. Stay up at night. Green lights in your body language seems like you could use. 